G'day everyone and welcome back to another episode of Free Kick, the AFLW Fantasy Podcast. My name is Will and I'm with my wonderful co-host Mel. How are you going, Mel? I'm going very well, Will. How are you? I am well and I am excited for another analysis episode that you are doing the analysis. Uh, And today we are talking the Richmond Tigers, which you have adopted as your Melbourne club of choice. Yes, my second team. I figured I'm not getting a huge amount out of my Frio membership, given I cannot be attending any home games living on the other side of the country. So I picked up a Melbourne team, Richmond, given I live in Richmond and I'm in love with Ron Conti. And (laughs) yeah, I'm very excited for this episode. I was like, save this one for me, please. (laughs) Yeah, for, for those at home... We were sort of divvying up who was going to analyze which episode. And Mel was like, I don't care which ones I'm on. I just want to do Richmond. So, Mel, give us a bit of an insight into Richmond and how they went last season. Yeah, so Richmond didn't have a great season last season, but it's they've definitely shown signs of improvement. So they started off with two losses and started a bit slow. Then they picked it up, though, seven back-to-back wins, and they finished the season, um, the home and away season, round 10 with a draw. Very exciting that they made it into the finals. Unfortunately, they lost to North in the semis. But since they started, uh, most progress that we've seen from Richmond so far. So that's making us very excited for a season eight. Going to get even better. I was about to say, Mel, you're selling a bit short saying they didn't have a great season when they finished fourth on the ladder. <laughs> that's a pretty harsh critic there. Could be better. Could Aim be. Um, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I suppose so. Um, so... With that in mind, given they could be better, uh, what are the, what are the major list changes that they've had uh, going into season eight? Yeah, so we've got some exciting ins coming. We've got Caitlin Greiser for forward from St Kilda, who's going to be an awesome replacement for, I guess, Courtney Wakefield, who has retired uh, as an out there. We've also got Molly Eastman coming in from Sydney as a defender, and Courtney Jones as a forward from Gold Coast. But I've already kind of mentioned a bit on the outs, Courtney Wakefield retiring, and we also had... Cody Jarks going to Essendon and Harriet Cordner, who I feel like we've spoken a lot about on this podcast already, um, moving over to Carlton. Yeah, for sure. And that Courtney Wakefield retirement's one that we're probably going to talk a bit about in this episode. But to start us off, we've got your top five, one to five, five to one, whatever we're calling it these days. Mel, give us your number one. Well, actually, why don't we jump straight over to an interview with my number one, Isla Sheeran. Yeah, that's a Probably a great idea, actually. <laughs> Let's we, go. Were, we were actually super lucky to talk to breakout star from season seven, Eilish Sheeran. Liam had a chat with her. Let's jump into it. G'day, everyone. It's Liam here today for our interview for the Richmond episode of the 18 Clubs in 18 Days. And today I am joined by none other than the AFLW Fantasy Rookie of the Year from Season 7, Eilish Sheeran from the Richmond Tigers. Eilish, thank you so much for jumping on with us today. How are you going? Yeah, really well. Oh, as I said before in the little intro, I'm a little bit fluey, but um, apart from that, feeling very good. Back yeah. into training. Just to, mm-hmm. just to peel back the curtain for listeners here, we're recording kind of a few mm-hmm. days after the coldest of the week in, here down in Melbourne, and I, I reckon half of half of Melbourne's got that uh, kind of got that little bit of sickness. How is uh, outside of kind of coming off a of cold and flu? Mm-hmm. How has your mm-hmm. off season gone so far? Yeah, yeah, it's been really good. Um, 
uh, this has been like my first kind of off season in between seasons. Um, so I think it's just getting that balance between, you know, relaxing and, and recharging, but also then using that time and that opportunity to work on uh, anything that, you know, you've kind of identified as a growth area um, with your coaches or, or personally. So it's been really good in that respect. I've kind of gone back to the things that had set me set me up so well for my first season, but then also, yeah, use that time to kind of work a little bit more on my skills and my craft and my fundamentals, which um, I think you miss is coming in as an older athlete. You just don't really have that kind of foundation. Um, so it was really good to use the resources around me, you know, the girls and the coaches to, to kind of start to upskill and focus on that and bring that um you know new weapon in, into the into the upcoming season yeah and funnily funnily interestingly enough i think the kind of thing i really wanted to chat to you about as well is your kind of journey to the afl w is a pretty fascinating read i i've done a bit of research into it and know that there is in no small part around a cd i believe for those listeners mm. that haven't done uh, a bit of a read into your background would you mind giving like a 30 second one minute download on how you ended up at richmond as a draftee and kind of your journey to get there yeah absolutely um i was training on with the uh, gws team greater western sydney and um we were doing an invitational series against the swans and i'd just come back from my uh, you know an, an acl it was one of the first couple of games i'd played I, i'd done all right uh, I assume because the the GWS coach pulled me aside and he said, "Look, we want to we want to draft you for next year." And I was, it was my dream. I was beyond ecstatic, and I was so excited. And I went down after the game to do some recovery in the harbour, and um, I had bought this car. It was a used car, an Audi, and it had it had a CD player unbeknownst to me in the back of the kind of underneath the seats at the back there. And I'd bump the media player off my Apple CarPlay and, and it's, it start, starts playing this unidentified track, uh, unidentified CD, which has one track on it. And it's a Richmond club theme song. And it's still to this day. Yeah, it's, it is. It was the weirdest thing in the world. And I was like, what the hell? Why, why does someone have a used, like a, like a CD with, with with AFL club theme songs, that was my first thought because we're in New South Wales, so I'd be probably a little bit more explainable if we we're in Victoria. But I didn't really give you know give it too much thought at that time. I was just like interesting. And then that night, um, the Richmond recruitment manager reached out to me and was like, "Look, we'd love to have you on board at Richmond." And I I couldn't say no at that stage. I was like, "This is this is too weird." Like you know, it's like this is it's 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 got to be a sign. So. That, is that just, was the, the first step, yeah. That's pure fate. That is hilarious. Yeah, fate. Exactly. The universe sends you signs sometimes. <laughs> so. I, <laughs> like, I can understand, like, a play, uh, you know, a playlist of AFL theme songs on your phone, but a CD with mm. just one on there is unbeknownst. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I can't imagine it's that. It's still anymore. in the car. It's still in the car. It's 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 my it's my good luck charm. It will not be removed. Um, and people call like call me it call bullshit on it sometimes. So I send them videos of it. <laughs> That's, that is um, actually outrageous. Um, mm. So so yeah. It, it you obviously kind of you alluded to it, but you've been playing in AFL, AFL in Sydney, and you've been training on with GWS mm-hmm. kind of around some ACL injuries. Yeah. When you when you kind of got drafted to Richmond, did you think you would play round one? 
And then follow up to that immediately is, did you think you'd break the record for intercept possessions in your first game? My When I um, spoke to, like, as I was being interviewed and coming into the club, my goal and, and what I discussed with the coach was, you know, my goal is to just, I want to play every 10 games in the home and away season. That was my... That was my kind of goal going into AFL. I just wanted to put myself in a position where, you know, I was seen to be good enough to be selected into that team. So that was the goal to play round one. But I guess, you you know, going into a new environment, you don't know what, you know, the expectations are, the standards. Um, you don't know how you'll kind of adapt to it. So I, um, yeah, I, I, I knew I'd have to work for it and I didn't expect that it would just happen. Um and then, to be honest, that first game was an absolute blur. <laughs> I don't think I knew any of the, the stats until I came off and they interviewed me in the in the post-match meeting. So, no, I definitely didn't anticipate um, I would perform the way I did. And, and that's kind of a testament to also the work that I'd done with, with the team prior to that and, and, and how we, we were as a team as well. Um, we were in a position to, you know, to be able to perform like that and to compete, which was good. So... Um, yeah, I definitely didn't anticipate that. <laughs> yeah, well, look, you play obviously played all, all 10 games and setting aside, you know, a pretty out-of-the-box game for intercept possessions. The other thing that kind of struck me was doing a bit of background reading. By the sounds of it, you played predominantly as a midfielder kind of prior to, to playing at yeah, Richmond. Yeah, I did. And then you're playing off a halfback. Kind of what was that experience like positionally, kind of that change in position mm. and becoming a, a real running halfback? Like was it was it difficult to, to kind of go through that process or was it a pretty natural thing to do for you at, or was it just that Richmond had a side that really allowed you to be yourself off halfback? Mm. There's a couple of things. So, yeah, I definitely never played. I played, I think that was maybe my third game off the halfback. But um Richmond and the way they recruit and the way they play is they really kind of champion your strengths. Um, so, you know, they want you to to go out there and, and play on instinct and play to your strengths. So I was given, uh, maybe not in that first game, but as we kind of developed throughout the season, I was given a lot of a, a lot of license to to rebound off halfback and, and even across our halfback line, all of all of us are given that license, and we all have that skill set. You know, Maddie Shevlin, um, Caitlin Cox, even Binchy, um, Beth Lynch. We're all we are we all play that kind of rebounding role quite well. Um, so as long as you know we can ensure that we can get back and help the defense, we're given that license to do that and play to our strengths. So that was always kind of drilled into me and, you know, recognises as something that we as a team and I as an individual did really well. So, yeah, I guess it kind of came naturally. I've come from a soccer background like you. So um, I used to play like a left midfielder role, which is very similar to that. You know, you've got to come back, you've got to help the defence, but then you explode forward. So, yeah, you take elements of of, of that experience with you and, and, and I guess it does kind of come instinctive, instinctively as well. You know, we I love getting forward. I love getting, getting you know, aggressive and dangerous so um it's just kind of allowing me to do that and, and having you know the ability and, and and confidence in me from a from a um, coaching staff and from a team to be able to do that but also ensure that you know I'm there and I'm defending and I'm defending first because 
um, yeah, you kind of need to do that as a defender, don't you? You can't just go sprinting off. <laughs> you've got to, in order to be able to have the license to run forward, you've got to at least run back a few times to prove that it's exactly. in the kit bag and, and you can be relied upon. Yeah. Interestingly yeah. enough, though, obviously, so I'm, you don't need to have been aware, but you kind of came in as mm-hmm. into, into fantasy teams a lot because mm-hmm. you came at the Bolton Price and scored very, very well. What was one thing that we were really watching was in the back end of the season and in the final series, we noticed you were spending a little bit of time in the midfield. There was a few CBA mm-hmm. attendances here and there. Mm-hmm. Is that something mm-hmm. that Richmond is going to look to have you do more this year? Noting that I think just mm-hmm. the other day that it looks like Tessa Levy is going to be on the inactive list. And she was yep. a sometimes midfielder, predominantly winger. Is that, you know, a mm-hmm. position that you're going to look to fill or are you kind of set on halfback? Mm-hmm. I think, you know, when we've discussed this as a, as a playing group and, and directed from the coaches that, you know, we want, players that are multi-dimensional and you know we want to be a team that can adapt to situations and and you know we don't have people in there who just play one role so um definitely uh, my priority and my predominant position is a half back but um there you know I, I i will be working on it on the skill set to be able to play in a mid in more of a midfield capacity if needed in games so we need to be able to have that flexibility to to be able to adjust to different game plans and different situations in games um and that for me may be playing more more time in the midfield but i think as a general rule the way it will work is i'll, I'll be predominantly off the half back line um because that's you know something that has been very successful in the past and if it ain't broke don't fix it right so yeah. um that's probably uh yeah like there could be uh, i could get more time running through the midfield but there'll be it'll depend on a number of other factors um obviously yeah we've lost tessa she's an outside mid um but uh i, I you know I, the plan wouldn't be for me to go straight into that position now i'll still i'll still be i'll still be um yeah settling in at half back and, and trying to rebound as much as possible yeah, and obviously when you say it ain't broke, don't don't fix it. That was Richmond's most successful AFLW season by a pretty mm-hmm. strong margin for a team that it always looked like it had the talent and couldn't consistently kind of put it together for victories. What did internally the club attribute that success to from from last season? I think um, I, you know I can only really speak to that few months leading up to the season but um you know i'm i'm the way that it's talked about um you know there was a lot of work that went into getting that you know result and that performance um across previous seasons so i think you know and it was a relatively new carb it's all about that build um and and you know you, you can't you can't build too quickly because sometimes you you know you you don't do the work that's needed to do to ma- to maintain that strength. Um, so I think a lot of that is, you know, working out what programming worked best for the girls and, and you know, as I said, finding and recruiting players that really kind of um, built into that Richmond methodology and, and that game plan and, and the way not, not only across the women's program but across the men's program, you know, Richmond like to play football. I think that that, it, you know, be an accumulation of all of those factors um, that I'm hoping that we'll just see go to another level in this upcoming season. Yeah, and you'd really hope so. And, and looking as well, coming into that, at the beginning of this year, 
the the injury problems or the kind of interrupted pre-seasons that we've seen in the last few years really don't appear to mm. have shown up this year. I think the, the biggest kind of, in, if we're going to talk about additions and subtractions from this team, you might have had some mm. experience maybe defending them. The forward line at, at Richmond last year, the kind of massive season from, from Wakefield was truly, yeah. truly, truly special to watch. It kind of in the absence, at least for half the season, from, from KB. Mm-hmm. How is that kind of forward line shaping up now? Obviously, there's been some big additions in um, Greiser. Mm-hmm. Courtney Jones has come down from the Gold Coast. And even your mm-hmm. draftee, Shelby Knoll, had a pretty breakout year playing as a, mm-hmm. as a mid-sized forward. How is that forward group shaping up? Yeah, it's good. I think, like, obviously, is is a lot more kind of, um, you know, depth just through the people that they've recruited in, just, in, you know, increasing that group. Um, I'm really excited to see the development of some of the players that we've already had on our list, like Stella Reid. Um, you know, I, uh, my understanding is she's taken us quite an early draft pick a few years ago and, and she's filled out and she's really developed and, and, and I think, you know, she she's going to have a really good um kind of consistent breakout season this year. The other one is Amelia Peck. Um, Pecky, she's just come through our VFL. She's incredibly tall, um, which I think is, a, you know, if you use it well in our league, is a massive weapon. Um, but for for a very tall girl, she's incredibly skillful. So they're, you know, they're, they're, they're building well. We obviously have um, G and Jonesy, who are just uh, having you know, incredible talent. So... Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing how you know they manage and, and, and build the synergy across across the forward line, um, and and that's all led by KB, who's just yeah I think phenomenal phenomenal athlete. Um, yeah, she's I definitely don't enjoy marking her at training, um, but I do learn a lot off her. So uh, I think it's. Yeah, it'll be really interesting, um, and I'm looking forward to kicking the ball up to them. Obviously, going to miss Cordy, going to miss Mama, um, but it's yeah. going to be, I think, a slightly different kind of. It'll be. I'm envisaging it'll be a different kind of forward line this year, um, but nonetheless, just as exciting. Yeah, and obviously, Court like looked great the final two years, particularly when there has mm. been some times where KB has been injured and has looked like she's played injured as well. My query is, you obviously talk about Stella Reid, high draft pick, and then Amelia mm-hmm. Peck being very tall. I have heard word from a little birdie off in the distance that KB sees mm. herself one day playing in the midfield with more taller talent, will she? <laughs> Do you think she'll ever get there? Or is that just a off in the future type of thing? I heard KB did play in the midfield back in the day at Richmond. She did. <laughs> and, and, at, and at Darabin as well. She's a former um, midfielder and heart of a midfielder. Uh, I I don't think the midfield group would love that. I think um, you know <laughs> KV. <laughs> I think KV knows where her strength lies, and it's not in the midfield. <laughs> at, the, at the very least, um, at the very least, I, I nah. would assume with some extra height. KB has looked best in the last few years when she is allowed to get further up the ground as a marking target. Yeah, I think I don't think. Back. Yeah, I don't think a midfield is is will be where she is. I'm th- I'm envisaging like a high half, you know, a high half forward that goes, um, because yeah, her she incredibly skillful, incredible vision. You know, when the ball's in her hands, 
you know, were dangerous. So um, definitely getting her back there and, and, and getting that connection across the lines, um, but not in the midfield group. The other one who's, you know, phenomenal in that space as well is Ellie McKenzie, um, who you would have seen last season play, you know, a lot of, you know, midfield, but pushing forward. So um, her and KB work really well together. So, um, you know, I don't know what that looks like, but yeah, if, if you can get the ball, you know, from one of their hands into the other ones, um, you know, dangerous things happen. So, yeah, I, I'm I'm going to probably give you the hot scoop here and say KB will not be playing in the midfield. <laughs> Look, I had a feeling that might have been the answer. I just uh, I just wanted. I think it's funny to, funny to chat about. It's on on uh, Ellie McKenzie though. It's almost like you're reading my notes yeah. for me. She's the next player that I kind of want to discuss. She was obviously mm. extremely talented, high draft pick, rising star. Had been hampered by injuries kind of before you'd arrived last year. Really mm. looked like the season that they were just able to cement a, a spot in the midfield mm. and you talked about her like being someone who can drift forward I, I just watching mm. games personally I'd say she has a top five kick for, for, for power yeah in the comp yeah. particularly when she plays like a high, high half forward midfielder do you think that mm-hmm. she'll see another step forward in her game this year given that the kind of yeah. breakout that we saw last year yeah I really hope so like um she Ailey's very young, like twenty, I think Ellie is, and I think you know it's part of that journey. And I think um, this season, I've really seen her like build on her professionalism and all of her stuff off field that you know goes into becoming an incredible player. So um, we're starting to, you know, not that she wasn't, but I think she's really starting to build that breadth of knowledge, knowledge behind her that it gets herself and her body and, and her game and her headspace and into that kind of, you know, um, mecca that in, in enables you to play really well week in, week out. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what she can do this season. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I, I think it's a, that's a good, it's a good space to watch. Um, yeah. and hopefully a very exciting space to watch. And if we're going to talk exciting spaces to watch, I feel like we've kind of buried the lead here and not having mentioned Mon Conti at kind of any point. She's obviously mm. a superstar and has been just consistently, you know, Richmond's best player and the best player on pretty mm-hmm. much every she team she plays for. I, You know, obviously I think there's every reason that she's probably someone who will win the best and fairest for the whole comp. Mm-hmm. What's it like playing around someone like that and... Is there kind of a next level to her game? Because, mm. you know, watching her now, she looks extremely talented already. Yeah, she's so talented. She's so hard to tackle. I hope that people can pick up on that when, when she plays because I obviously we, you know, we play with her, but I play against her a lot. She's so incredibly elusive and hard to tackle. So um, you just can't, you know, you can't really train that or it's just something that's kind of innate that skill set so um for her I think it's just she's she's the ultimate professional you know she she's a dual athlete she knows what she does she needs to do to get her body in a position to to train well and to play well um yeah she's she's so consistent at training um you know across you know field training strength training which is a huge thing as well so for her I think it's just um, you know, building on that, building on that consistency, making sure that she, you know her body's in a place where she can she can do that week in week out. Um, 
But also I think the other piece is, you know, it's not just one player across the team. It's, you know, how do we gel together as a team? How do they, as a midfield group, you know, how do you support that? And how do you really create the space for people to use their weapons? So for us, it's it's ensuring that, you know, there's all of those layers that the game plan um, provides a space for people to to be able to use their strengths and use their weapons and then we can go onto the field and execute that. Yeah, and you talk about kind of gelling as a, as a midfield. I think just personally watching the games, it certainly looked like there was a consistency in the midfield group mm. last season as compared to kind of some more chopping and changing previously with, with Mon and mm. Ellie and then also Grace Egan having a coming across from Carlton. Just yep. kind of from a, from a slight distance, do you envisage that? changing much this season or do you expect to see that same kind of core group with also the Hoskins rotating a little bit as well? Yeah, I think, um, you know, with all, uh, you know, as with every team, every player, you know, being fit and healthy, um, I think the midfield group, you know, they they call themselves the engine room, um, (laughs) got tickets on themselves. No, the engine room um, (laughs) will will be fairly consistent as to last year we've we've had we have had a little bit of a mix-up we do have some new midfield coaches um but I think that's really helped in terms of you know ensuring there's still the consistency across the playing group but really like freshening it up bringing new ideas new new pieces and things to work on so um yeah um I think I think the yeah as I said before if it ain't broke we don't fix it so um that'll we'll hopefully see this consistency again this season that's awesome to hear, and yeah, hopefully with some new ideas, it can kind of go from strength to strength. As, as much as I am a, a massive Bomber supporter uh, and have been for a very long time, meaning I'm not the world's mm. biggest fan of the Richmond men's team, the kind of mm. ta- supremely talented nature of the of the women's team means mm. it's uh, it's a very entertaining brand of footy to watch. Um, yeah. So we kind of come towards the end of this chat. I've got one final mm. question for you, and we ask it mm. to every player that we interview. Who at Richmond is set for a big breakout in season eight? Last year we interviewed Gabby Seymour at this time and she said it was mm. Ellie McKenzie and she mm. was pretty bang on. You've mentioned a couple of names already as potential options yeah. on the forward line. Do you have mm. an idea on who the big breakout is? I'd say Stella Reid. I think right. Stella's going to have a really good season this season. Um She's she's done a lot of work in the off season. She's looking fit. She's looking strong, um, and her work ethic is phenomenal. So, I don't think she played every game last season either. So, um, yeah, I, I'm going to go with Stella Reid. Fascinating. Yeah, just having a quick look mm. here. There was a few games I think missed throughout the middle of the season, but then, uh, yeah, towards the back end of the year, had four goals across the final three games, playing as yeah. a half forward. So. That's fascinating to hear, and as you, yeah, as we, I reckon I've done pretty well with out, that one. I think I'm happy. I'm tapping myself on the back, so um, yeah, yeah, and and you tip. are right. She is a former pretty high draft pick. I think a top ten. Mm. So yeah, fascinating to hear. Well, that was uh, that's all we've got time for today. Thank you so much for for coming on. Um, we always appreciate the the chance to chat with some players, and particularly one like yourself who was kind of a, the breakout player last year. No problem. Love chatting with you. Um, yeah, it's just getting me really excited for um, for the season, which is not far away. So, you know, hopefully we'll have the fixture next and then um, we can all start buying tickets and getting to the games. But, yeah, 
it's, no, it's going to be an exciting time. We're, we're all extremely excited and all extremely hopeful for a fixture and then also a, a fruitful result to the uh, CBA negotiations. Thank you so much. Mm, and uh, hopefully we uh, get to watch some great games from you this year. Yeah, looking forward to it. Thanks, Liam. Yes. Thanks, Bye. everyone. Bye. Yeah, great stuff there. And, I mean, we know how great her season was last year. All Australian in her first season, broke records for intercepts everywhere. Absolutely fantastic to get to chat with her. Mel, why is she your number one player for Richmond this season? Oh, well, first I've just got to say, I mean, we've been having some amazing names for our interviews across the clubs. Um, but to get Isla Sheeran, someone that we spoke about all the time last season who was incredibly fantasy relevant, it's just that was just so exciting. That's one of the big wins for me. So why is she number one? So she's a defender priced at 57. You've already mentioned had a huge breakout in season seven. Because she's coming in with that 57 average, there's a lot of room for potential. And she's one of the many that we've already discussed on other club episodes. There's a lot of those defenders priced 50 to 70 that could be jumping 10 plus points this season. So the reason why she's particularly interesting is she has been playing halfback. But in that interview, we already heard from her. She's been training um, a little bit for the midfield. Already had a couple of games last season. I think they were in the finals games, where actually, where she got in on some of the CBAs and we saw her fantasy points skyrocket. So I think in maybe the quarterfinal against the Lions, she ended up getting 33 CBAs and we saw her fantasy points jump all the way up to 71. So if that's something she's been training for in her second second preseason, get a bit more midfield time and that's something where she'll be running through a bit more, we can expect jump in fantasy points and off that low price, she's one that's going to be in that 10 plus bucket that you really want. Yeah, it's interesting because she was actually named in the centre in the semi-final against North where she scored a 57. So put it this way, we expect her to be around that 60 mark. I think she's definitely in the conversation for that top five-ish defender status. And honestly, Mm -hmm. I love her as a player, so I, I can't really fault you for picking her there. But yeah, she really is in that glut of a potential defender picks that we could pick who averaged between 50 and 60 who might become a top five one. It's as good a guess as any who that could be, and I think she's definitely one of the, the better options to be that player. Mm. And even if she doesn't dramatically increase her average, I think you're right. She's she's, she's such a good player that you're probably going to get around that average anyway. Yeah, she's a great player to watch, and you want to, you know, it's not really on the scoreboard, but you want to put players in your fantasy team that you love watching in the games, and she's she's awesome to watch. So Exactly. It's it's called fantasy for a reason, and that's because you pick your favorite players. And exactly. I know I've been doing that very successfully, unsuccessfully for many years, <laughs> um, so I highly recommend it. But uh, speaking of players who can run through the midfield, <laughs> oh. Mel, <laughs> your number two player is a player that I'm personally very interested in as, as an option. Who have you got as your number two? Uh, number two, we've got the player that Isla Sheeran said is most definitely not going to be running through the midfield, which is <laughs> Katie Brennan. Um, so coming in forward status, priced at 44. KB, she's been an absolute favourite of Liam's for a very long time. She carried a foot injury for most of season seven. Uh, you could see on each of the kind of game listings, it was, you know, injury, foot, test. Still, having said that, she still managed to play a good chunk of the games. And every time she did play, she still scored 40 or above, which is very impressive to be running around on a sore foot. So she's coming into season she's coming into season eight with her season seven average of like 44, 45. Although we know that um, in the season before, she was averaging about 55 when she wasn't injured. And that 55 from season six 
actually includes a really low game at the end of the, the end of the round. So like when she's at her best, her average is 50, 60, sorry, 55, 60. So just based on that math alone, good jump quality there and also a great player to watch. I said it before, but I'm super interested in Katie Brennan as, as an option because she's basically averaged over 50 for most of the seasons. And you've rightly pointed out that the the foot injury in particular really curtailed her impact last season. And if we get, do get a fit and firing Katie Brennan, there's a, a potentially really good mid-price forward option there. Yeah, absolutely. Sticking in the in the forward line, Mel, you've got another interesting forward pick at number three. Yeah, so this is a player that I never really um, thought about much last season, but came to my attention, obviously, off the back of that amazing interview we just heard. Stella Reid, so forward, priced at 36. Former very high draft pick. She was the number five draft pick in 2021 and Richmond's first pick, so great potential there. She was also the player that Eilish said is going to be the breakout star for Richmond, so that's always exciting. But yeah, so she's finished the home and away season with two really impressive scores of a 50 and a 53 uh, in season seven, but she's priced at 36. So if she can, she, she's been having the great off season and getting super fit and everything like we just heard. If she can come back in and smash 50s from get go, that would be awesome. That is, I mean, we talk about, you know, plus 10 points in potential. That would be a plus 15 right there. So sounds very underpriced, uh, very exciting option here. Yeah, it's th- those two 50s for me just, make it so interesting because we know that she can put up decent scores. I mean, you talked about it a bit with the Courtney Wakefield retirement at the start. It's going to be so interesting to see how that Richmond forward line comes together early in the season. And I think Stella Reid for me is a player that I'd be pretty hesitant to start with just because of some of the other options, but I can definitely see her if she starts really well, could be one of those players that becomes an an instant sideways trade early in the season. Yeah. If she goes round one with a, somewhere near the 50s and she's priced at 36 going in to yeah. me that's that's great she's yeah, still like, going to be underpriced absolutely if, if she scores 50 or 60 yeah great option so we've talked a bit about the forwards mal you've you've uh come back close to home for number four yes yeah, so it's friend of the pod gabby seymour so uh very lucky to be able to interview gabby last season so playing as a ruck she uh is coming in with an average or sorry a price out of 71 she had a really good season seven. So her season six average was 57. And then we really saw her take off last season, um, getting up to an average of 68. And it looked like she's playing number one ruck at Richmond, really. You've got some hit outs going to Poppy Kelly each game, but really the dominant ruck is Gabby Seymour. And already just looking at the ruck options that we have going in, she's the second highest averaging ruck to Brianne Moody, who we know is a superstar. So because we kind of have a bit more money in this official game compared to like a Moreira's Magic where the ruck is a great option to start with a rookie and to potentially go for a utility loophole later um, using a, a really cheap rookie ruck, we've got cash to spend in the official game. And that means that we can actually be starting with a primo ruck on field quite comfortably. You've really you've got Brianne Moody and you've got Gabby Seymour. So she's going to be one of those awesome set and forget options where you can put her in She's, you know, she's either going to be consistent at around those 70s or hopefully follow her season growth trajectory and knock it out of the park and kind of be a real challenge for uh, Brianne Moody as the number one ruck in the comp. Yeah. And I think one of the things you mentioned is like Gabby Seymour is currently at about 15% ownership compared to Brianne Moody, who's at about 34%. So Mm. you've got a much more unique player. And even though the average is about six points different, 
Something that does interest me is the last three average of the two, Seymour averaged 65, Moody averaged um, 68. Mm, pretty close. We know that Gabby Seymour can put up really good options. You save yourself a bit of money, but I, I, I'm I'm someone who is very interested in doing an alternate ruck option. I think you can't go wrong with Brianne Moody, but I think it's decisions like this where you can eke out a, a bit of extra money somewhere to get someone who's probably going to score comparatively that's probably going to make or break your season. And I think doing it with a player like Gab Seymour is a really good option. So I, I really rate this one as a as picking it as your set and forget ruck. I wouldn't be surprised if I start the season with her as my R1. Mm, yeah. We've talked about a friend of the pod, but we're going to now go to your number five. And I, I mean, it's a player that we have to talk about because she is a fantasy gun and she's just a gun in general. But I think this is a little bit of a vanity pick for you, Mel. <laughs> number five. What are you saying? <laughs> you put in your favorite player. I have. It's got to be Mon Conti. I mean... I feel like if I had a dollar for every time we said she's classy, she moves different. <laughs> it's just, she's just amazing. She's <laughs> one of those midfielders that she is, un- and she's probably in that tier between mid price and elite. So she's not, she wasn't really in the elite top five at the end of last season. She's kind of going to be a great player to have in your team, uh, but probably M2, M3, unless you're going for a interesting strategy with, <laughs> with your M1. She's an amazing footballer. She's someone that you absolutely love watching. She's still so young. She's 23 and she's already got four best and fairest. So she's still got the energy behind her to just keep smashing it out of the park and getting better and better. We've seen that she's got a massive ceiling, which is particularly exciting to me. I mean, any score over 100 is great and, and you, you absolutely love to see that. But we saw in season seven, back into the season, she pulled out 124. I mean, that was supported by three goals, which you can't expect to have every week. She's got this massive ceiling. So if she's priced at 87, I feel like there's there's potential for her to be up there in the 90s, um, probably high 90s. And I guess the nice one about this, you kind of, you've been speaking about uniques up until now, and I mentioned she wasn't in the top five. She's currently like the 12th highest averaging midfielder going in. So she will probably be someone that gives you a little bit of uniqueness there because a lot of people will be picking those top well-known names. Not that she's not a well-known name, <laughs> but you know what I mean. I'm not sure if she's someone to start with necessarily because she's in that awkward price between primo and mid. So it's an interesting strategy if you're fitting that in in that way. But if you've got a a mid-priced mid (laughs) who does really well, (laughs) she could be an upgrade target for sure. Yeah, I think um, sitting her as an M2 would be like an interesting strategy, maybe behind a Bowers or a Marinoff. But I I think my biggest biggest knock on Mon Conti as a fantasy player is that she's actually too good. Bit Bonnie. Because as a player, she is a genuine Rolls Royce. She doesn't need to do the the nitty gritty hard and in and out at stuff because she's such a classy player. <laughs> she just gets the ball. She gets the ball handed to her. And it's one of the things that I actually noticed watching a lot of Richmond games last season was that one of the the parts of the game that she doesn't score well in is actually marks because most of her disposals where she receives the ball from opposition uh, from her teammates rather not the opposition. When she receives it from her teammates, they're mostly handball receives because she breaks lines, she kicks it long and accurately. So she's not getting those extra points that a player like a, a Hatchard, for example, does with lots of marks, or necessarily a Bowers does with lots of tackles. She's so damaging that Richmond know that just get the ball in her hands. Everyone else can do the hard work, get it in Mon Conti's hands, and she'll make things happen. And that's where I think that 
she can quite easily be the best player in the competition and still average less than 90 in fantasy terms. Yeah. Which is disappointing, but... (laughs) (laughs) It's good watching, but... I hear you, (laughs) but it's also Mon Conti. (laughs) I hear you, but just just get Mon Conti in. Mon Conti. (laughs) Just do it. (laughs) Just do it. Well, I mean, that's my five. Uh, Not a lot of shocks there. Why don't we throw to the Will special to hear something juicy? Yeah, the Will special was doing a lot of focus on the Courtney Wakefield retirement. And because Mm. we talked about it a lot in our preseason trade episodes, we talk a bit about it in the interview with Eilish Sheeran. We've basically spent most of our time going, who's going to replace Courtney Wakefield up forward? And there's clearly a few options. There's Shelby Knoll, who we interviewed in our drafty episode, Yes. Meteoric Rise, going to be based on Price. That's quite an interesting one. Um, but the player that I'm particularly interested in as a special is former leading goal kicker, Caitlin Greiser. Mm-hmm. And I went for Caitlin Greiser because I think she's the natural pick to replace Wakefield. Courtney Wakefield was a, you know, a powerful contested marking player. That's always been one of Greiser's greatest attributes is her, her strength and ability to, to dominate smaller defenders, take those big marks. In her first year, she averaged 49 points basically out of nowhere to win the, the leading goal kicker award. And since then, she's sort of struggled a bit for consistency at St Kilda. And she's basically coming in now priced at an average of just 30. So she's pretty close to basement price. And I just wonder if a fresh start at Richmond could see her average rise up again. Could be a bit of a value pick, maybe a stepping stone type pick or possibly the sort of player that if we see that Richmond have a, a pretty easy run for forwards at a certain patch, you could make it a quick dollar on. But yeah, I, I really like what I, I've seen from Caitlin Greiser, and I really hope that she can get back to that form that made her such a imposing player for St Kilda in her early parts of her career. That is a really good one, and I kind of forgot about that. I mean, she was one when we were doing our trade reviews, we put as uh, having a substantially increased fantasy impact after the move. So, yeah, I think that is a pretty good pick. Like you did say before, though, it's interesting. It's going to be interesting to see how the forward line does play out because there's a lot of stuff, lots going on in there. Do you mark it as a watch and wait or you lock it in? I don't think I'd be locking it in. I, I mean, I don't think we're expecting anything over 50 anyway, but I think it's an interesting one to potentially look at. To potentially look at. Maybe look, maybe don't look. It's a special for a reason. <laughs> I'll say that. Oh, um, I love it. Yeah. And on that note, I reckon we'll wrap it up there. Uh, thanks a lot, everyone, for, for listening in. As always, we've got our best 21 up on the social media. You can follow us at FreeKickWPod on Twitter and Instagram at FreeKickWPod. Mel, where can they find you? I'm on Instagram as HiMelD. And you? And I am on Instagram and Twitter at WillH underscore VI. Keep on listening for our Clubs in Day series. We're getting through them. We will catch you next time. Bye. Bye.